You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And Frank, I hope you had a good weekend and the Bucks just kept rolling on. I was looking at the, just because now you look at it, they're 13 and 3 and that's with 10 road games, 6 home games. I looked at the exact same date last year, November 23. Last year, this Bucks team, the 60-win Bucks, were 13 and five, despite playing 11 home games and only seven road games. This, this Bucks team, with Eric Bledsoe coming into the season a little banged up, missing Chris Middleton for the last five or six, uh, whatever it has been now, they just keep on trucking. Yeah, I think with the Middleton injury in particular, I mean, I think that's, um, I mean, obviously, always bad to have an injury to a key guy like Chris, but I think. You know, when you look at the first, whatever we're at now, like month and change of uh, of this season, I think, um, you know, given, again, knock on wood that Chris is coming back pretty soon, uh, I think it's it's easy to paint, you know, certainly just a very positive picture of, I think, what, what we've seen from the Bucks early on. Um, because, again, you've, I think, have shown that, you know, Bledsoe has kind of bounced back, um, had a couple of big games in the last week, was a bit quieter on Saturday against Detroit. Um, like he left a few few uh a few points uh, at the rim that uh, that normally he finishes but um you know even without Chris the fact that you know they just keep kind of churning out wins and um this game was um you know again one that felt like oh you know it feels like cuz they're not just destroying teams yeah. by halftime that even though they kind of are winning pretty comfortably like there's always like this sort of feeling of like not being that impressed by what they're doing, right? But you know, again, the fact that you just kind of keep cranking out these fairly comfortable wins against, you know, again, teams that you should beat. But um, you know, to do it night in, night out, um, that's that's obviously important in this league. And when you know your own team is down an all star, um, then obviously you, you know, again, I, I think do, do I expect this version of the Bucks without Chris Middleton to be able to, you know, beat a Clippers, a Lakers, a Sixers team in, in a best of seven. Well, I think that would be very hard, <laughs> but, um, but certainly I think what they're building without Chris is something you hope pays off in the long term. I think we talked about that last time too, right? Just the fact that you've been able to, to get guys like Dante and Sterling a lot of minutes here and blood some guys that, um, that maybe otherwise wouldn't have gotten an opportunity with, uh, with Chris out and, and Ursan missing some games here. We've even seen DJ Wilson. So, um, you know, kind of, you know, you think about this in the grand scheme of like tuning up your, your team and, and getting into a rhythm and kind of figuring out who you are and what you do. Um, you know, I mean, again, like you leave the league in point differential um, just behind the Lakers in terms of one loss record, uh, you know, uh, via cleaning the glass, 
defense is third, offense is third. You know, this is kind of the extremely high level, the extremely high bar that we have for the Bucks. And I think again, we can we can talk all we want about you know the questions we still have, which I think are reasonable for the playoffs. But certainly where they are right now, I think is a very good place. Yeah, I mean, again, this is sort of something that we we spoke about last week in terms of uh, you know expectations with this team are just in a completely different level to what they've ever been before. So you know, any other time you look and. Yeah, it it took a little bit longer than we would have liked, and and you know, keeping in mind that Blake Griffin wasn't playing, and the Pistons were on a back to back. Yeah, it it probably did take a little bit longer than you would have liked, and there was a stretch in the third quarter where I, I tweeted out that uh, all right, the 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 Bucks are just physically overwhelming Detroit right now, and this feels like it's going to blow out any second. And then the Pistons hit a couple of threes, and they still, you know, they go into the the end of the third quarter only trailing by eight. And you're like, well, I'm not worried about the Bucks losing this, but I, I just like to have a game where, you know, early in the fourth quarter, you're you're like, okay, this is over. The Bucks are going to win. That's fine. Let's move on to the next one. And that sort of happened. They came out. Obviously, they put the starters back in. That was a, a mostly a bench unit there late in the third that let things slip. But um, Again, like I said, this is this is just a different standard. You know, it's still a double-digit, you know, fourteen-point win uh, against the the Pistons, who, even though they had did have a couple of guys out, this is still a team that expects to make the playoffs. So you'll take that uh, any day. But when you were talking about guys getting different opportunities, and that's where the Bucks are at right now. It's like, okay, we know that you're going to be good enough, almost just based on having Giannis alone, that you're going to be good enough to beat a whole bunch of teams. So. What what is this team doing that gives you the belief or the confidence that when it comes to the playoffs and they are playing these these better teams that are going to have what it takes or what's changed from last year from this one? I guess it's interesting to to look at DJ a little bit because uh, Ersan was out with the with the heel injury for this one. So DJ again the second time in the last week that he's got uh, first quarter minutes. He plays fifteen on the night, three for five from the field, had seven points and. Uh, he had three assists as, as well, or four four rebounds, sorry. I was looking at George Hill there. So there was a couple of interesting things that I thought he looked more assertive in this game than he did the first time he, he came on. And I was talking with, with Justin Garcia after uh, that game last week, and we both sort of agreed that he was just sort of out there and he was just a body floating around and he had no real impact and you didn't even really know that he was on the floor. And, and I thought um, early in this game, Last night, there was that early possession where he sort of picked up the loose ball and then turned into a sort of a semi-transition possession where he quickly got the ball to George Hill, redirected to the corner, and then Hill was able to find him with a magnificent pass, by the way, and he knocks down the three. There's little things like that. There was a, there was a nice offensive rebound uh, tap back uh, during the game there as well. And those are the types of things that I think he needs to be doing in terms of making a visible impact, like we've seen with Sterling and Dante that are going to, uh, lead to him getting more minutes. Yeah, it's really tough for a guy like DJ who, you know, I think we've seen so little of him that, you know, he's got a few like garbage time runs and, you know, there's this like, I think, um, desire to try to read into any minutes he gets about like where he is uh, in terms of you know, fighting for minutes and, and deserving to play and things like that. Um, but but that's really hard. I mean, it, and, and I think it's really hard even the first time you get out there with, real rotation minutes, which we saw, you know, really in the past week or so. I mean, you, you can't just expect to just flip the switch necessarily, but yeah. unfortunately that's what bench players oftentimes have to do is they just have to be ready when their number's called. And again, a lot of what you rely on is just bringing, you know, hashtag energy and effort, you know, to sort of 
um, maybe gloss over the fact that you're not going to have your normal Christmas. And, you know, especially for a guy like DJ, who's obviously they're not running plays for him. So when he gets that random chance to, to pop a, a corner three, um, that he hits it. And, or if he gets a random opportunity to, you know, roll the rim, whatever it might be, that he can, you know, he, he does what he's, he's expected to do. So, um, so it's, it's definitely not a, you know, as much as certainly there's not pressure on him to be a you know, offensive focal point or creator really when he has a, a chance to play. Um, just the fact that, you know, like a lot of these guys like Sterling and Dante before him, um, you know, when you don't play and then you get thrown in there, you, you do have to obviously step up and, and make the most of opportunity because you just, you don't know if you're going to get it the next night. Right. Especially with the way that, that Bud likes to play Ursan. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, my, my hope is, um, you know, I'm, I'm fine. Ursan taking his time coming back from any injury he has. I don't think, you know, there is no reason for Ursan of all the guys on this team to, to rush back. Cause I think, again, you, you certainly, I think benefit from getting more of a look at, and not just DJ, but I think, uh, I'm curious to see, you know, we, we've seen these lineups with Sterling at the four and Giannis at the center a bit now. And I'm also curious to see just how those, how those lineups sort of continue to evolve as the Bucks are kind of throwing some maybe different looks in. I, again, I thought that was one thing, one, you know, one of the big concerns, you know, of signing a guy like Robin was like, okay, the Bucks are just going to play a standard five man all the time. There's just always going to be a Lopez brother out there. And it's been interesting, even with both Lopez is healthy, thankfully, um, that Bud has still been willing to to go with these kind of smaller lineups and even, you know, go to these switchier type approaches, you know, early in the season, which certainly last year we kind of wondered about. We said, eh, Bud seems like super unwilling to, <laughs> to, to do anything but play, you know, the zone drop style. But now this year, year two, um, it does seem like he's trying some different things. And I think that's a positive. And, you know, again, hopefully he – tries to figure out what he has in a guy like DJ tries to figure out what he has in a guy like Sterling. And, and I think Dante certainly is, is very ingrained in the rotation now, but um, you know, you, I think you really need to do figure out what those guys can bring because if you do make a deal, those are the types of players that, that might have to be involved in a trade if you do want to make a trade before February. And so obviously you want to, you want to know what you have and um, you don't want to, you know, make a trade based on, uh, oh, we just played our son and Kyle Korver, you know, every night, 20 minutes a game for, for the entire season. And those are those young guys just got buried and, and we're going to trade them, not really knowing what, what they might have done. Yeah. And I, it's, it's, I'm glad you sort of touched on the trade stuff because that for me, more than like, yes, you want to see potentially what these guys have for, you know, playing on this Bucks team this season. But part of that, as you said, is also trying to assess, like, okay. If we, if we if we do need to make an upgrade to this roster, who are, who are the guys that we really do not want to let go, and who's the guy that you're like, yeah, okay, these guys are benefiting a little bit because I do think that that some of some of these younger guys and you know Sterling and Dante and and you know possibly DJ if he plays a little bit more, like I think that you know particularly with Sterling and, and Dante that they are NBA players. They're certainly looking like there's they are genuine role players on an, on an NBA team. But I also do think that there's a little bit of the um, Golden State sort of boost that these guys are getting that you saw over the years um, with some of the, the role players on the Warriors team that people were like, oh, wow, yeah, these guys are really good players. And then they leave Golden State and you really don't hear anything of them <laughs> at all because you do. You, I mean, you, you get a bump playing with, with such a good team in, in the regular season 
and uh, playing with, with guys like Giannis and, and Chris and, and Bledsoe and Brooke and all these guys in a system that puts you in the best possible position to succeed. So I think there's a little bit of that. And when it comes to Ursan, we, we were sort of joking before we started recording. Like, I don't, I mean, what does it matter if Ursan doesn't play for a month? Now, you want him to be healthy, but remember, it, I, was, I was laughing because sometimes you forget how long he's been in the league. And when uh, the Bucks were playing the Blazers last week and they show the, the team photo with, with Terry Stotts as the coach of the Bucks and Ursan's there as a, as a rookie, you're just like, man, this guy's got a lot of miles on his legs and he played FIBA basketball through the summer. So, you know, I think for the team, sort of something we, we spoke about uh, last week in, in regards to DJ, like it would be better for the team to be playing DJ instead of Ursan right now, just in, try, in terms of figuring out what they've got. And Ursan's the type of guy that's been around so long that it's not going to matter if he has like a few weeks off. Like he's still going to run. First of all, other teams are going to know what they're going to get from Ursan, and he's going to be comfortable slipping straight in. I mean, he every year he has his little uh, one or two week uh, break with with his latest broken nose. So I, I don't, you know, it's it's not going to affect him in that way. But I think that that is something that is starting to, that train of thought is something that's starting to leak out as well. I was listening to uh, Kevin O'Connor and, and Chris Vernon the other day who sort of touched on that uh, Ringer article about sort of Brogdon and the Bucks just need to, needing to pay for the sake of paying basically to, to keep Giannis happy. And it was probably the first time I've heard from national guys that, uh, you know, they both sort of acknowledge well, you know, DiVincenzo is playing some pretty good basketball and Sterling Brown looks pretty good off the bench. And they're like, well, maybe the Bucks just thought that, hey, we've got these guys that, no, we're not going to go into the luxury tax in this first year. We like the guys that we have on our roster. Let's get some draft capital back and then decide on the go once we see what's happening, what we have on this roster. And I think that's something that, that sort of me and you have been focusing on. People that watch the Bucks every day have sort of thought for, for a while it's interesting now that I think from the outside perspective, people are starting to take note a little bit of the depth that the Bucks already have, even without a guy like Brogdon. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue. I mean, again, I, I you know, it's if the Bucks thought, you know, that that Dante DiVincenzo was going to replace what Brogdon gave him last year, then I think that that would have been naive, right? Um, I think obviously the the tax savings was. I can only assume it was a significant part of, of that. And again, not that it's necessarily the entire decision, but it was significantly a part of it. But I, I certainly think, you know, a guy like Bud, probably we, I mean, jokingly, Eric and I referred to Dante as teacher's pet last year. Um, I think certainly like the idea of, of Dante has been appealing, but Dante also didn't play in the first couple of games of the season either. Right. I mean, you know, like it, it it's taken here a little bit, to really get to see Sterling and, and Dante. And again, I mean, the, the challenge is always, um, you know, you can kind of talk yourself into multiple interesting guys who do different things, but ultimately you need, you'd, you'd always rather come, you know, you'd rather just have one much better player. Right. Um, and, and obviously that's, that, that'll always be the argument with Brogdon is like, he, you knew he Brogdon was better than, than, you know, all these other guys we're talking about. So even if, you know, yeah, Wes Matthews can do some, some good things and, and Dante hopefully will do some good things and certainly can do some good things. Well, you can only play one of them at a time. And, and obviously you, you can't rely on them the way, you know, you knew you could rely on Brogdon. So, um, so again, it is what it is at this point. Um, and I think it's definitely been, a big positive that you know we've seen guys like Dante and Sterling step up because 
I think you're going to need them. You know, I think in May and June, if you get to go that far, um, you know, I, I, I don't think Kyle Korver is going to be, you know, the answer in the fourth quarter of a game or, or maybe at all in, in any of these games that, that are going to be played at the highest level against teams that have, you know, guys that can attack from, from almost every position. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think it's important to, to get these guys minutes, see what they have. And, um, you know, I think certainly that's, that's probably the, the biggest silver lining here of the early season is, is some of these young guys seeming to show that they, they have grown a bit and that, you know, again, they can blunt whatever loss that there would have, that there has been from, from not having Brogdon and, and obviously record wise, you know, I mean, they're not even missing Chris, Chris really right now. Right? You know, yeah. I mean, um, which again, like I'm, I'm not going to fall into the trap of, of saying that a, you know, a bunch of wins in a row against not, not particularly good teams is, is evidence that the Bucks don't need Chris Milton. I'm, I'm certainly not going to say <laughs> that, uh, you know, a great start to the season is also evidence that, that they wouldn't need or, or value, uh, you know, a guy like Malcolm uh, come, come playoff time. But, but certainly again, like it is what it is, right? Like, for what the Bucks have, it's obviously worked very well. Um, and so, you know, you try not to get trapped. You know, it's, it's always fine as a balance of not trying to get trapped and viewing things through the lens of just, you know, the regular season, which obviously that's all you can do right now. You can't play postseason games <laughs> before April, May, and June. So all you can do is be as good as you can right now uh, and manage, you know, manage your roster come, you know, as far as the regular season goes. And, and certainly they've done that. Um, but you know, until 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 the playoffs come, then you know all the questions that, that we're going to talk about, you know, inevitably before then, and it's obviously you know going to take until then before anything can be answered. Any Yeah, that's certainly just to, just just to be clear. That certainly wasn't a, like let's kick off the the Brogdon debate again. Like that's that's certainly not um, what I'm getting at. But I, I just think that it's interesting that that some of these guys that the Bucks have on their roster, I think that maybe you could argue that they have more options in terms of roster flexibility than maybe you thought that they did a, a few months ago. Um, and you know, that's when you include the draft picks as well, but also a bunch of interesting guys that maybe are movable. If you feel that that is, is something that you need to do as the season moves on. And, and then of course, you know, Ersan and, and that sort of thing that we spoke about, I just think it's something interesting to watch, um, you know, obviously how these guys are playing for the bucks right now, but in terms of looking forward and, and what potentially might happen. But, uh, I do want to get to, to the jazz game. Uh, coming up because that's obviously a, a really big game for this team. But just on on the Pistons game, Giannis, twelve for twenty two, so not not the the best shooting night again for him. And obviously he's had some struggles at the free throw free throw line again. Matched up on an old friend Thon Maker a couple of times there, uh, particularly in the second quarter. And it was kind of weird watching this game, seeing all those old Bucks guys. Christian Wood was out there for a while. Uh, obviously Thon. Um, Neither of those guys were too impressive. I think it would be fair to say Tim Frazier played some minutes at the end of the game. Sadly, uh, Tony Snell wasn't out there. But uh, if you caught the social media video uh, with all the Bucks players catching up with him, clearly uh, they miss nice. having, having him in the locker room. It was a nice, nice video to see. And just quickly on that, it's funny because when people asked me last year what I, you know, what was the thing that was most interesting to me from being around. Um, 
this Bucks team that played so well and had such a historic year for for the franchise, straight away the first thing I always said was, "Is I just can't believe how much these guys like each other." Like it was truly shocking to me how happy these guys were being uh, to to be around each other, how much fun they had, whether it was at practice, whether it was before the game, after the game. Uh, they just generally seem like one through 15 or 17, if you include the two-way guys, they, they just generally love being around each other. And it's funny, you know, when you see a video like that um, with how they all sort of responded to to Tony Snell, it, it proves it. I mean, these guys, and I don't think anything's changed with that this year when you look at the type of characters they brought in. I, I think that, you know, that's that's that helps with, with the success. Obviously, talent uh, overrules everything. But, um, yeah, yeah, these guys have, have built great chemistry that brought in great guys into the locker room and, it, and it's 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 just very clear but yeah that's uh the the old fun maker christian wood uh you know they were playing to them in, in the same lineup there a couple of times and yeah anytime that either of those guys particularly thon got on Giannis, it's just it's just funny to see that matchup and how predictable it is what's going to happen like thon's gonna foul out in about 10 minutes if you leave him on Giannis and Christian Wood really against the uh, one of the the better you know, rim protecting defense in in the box. I mean, he just really couldn't do anything anyway. I, I don't know. It's just interesting to see these guys who in the through the box lens when they're in the box roster, you see different things. But on a struggling team uh, against the same guys, uh, you know, they didn't they didn't look great. Yeah, I mean, the you know missing Blake Griffin is is pretty tough for for this this lineup. Um, you know, they're their starting lineup was Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard, Langston Galloway, Marquise Morris, and Andre Drummond. Uh, and, you know, Drummond, it, it's funny. I mean, Drummond, I mean, Brooke Lopez just doesn't respect <laughs> anything Andre Drummond does uh, with the ball. I mean, there was that play um, where Drummond had the ball sort of on the left side and Brooke Lopez backed off literally like sort of towards like essentially the restricted area. And Andre Drummond was maybe like 15 feet out and he was just like dribbling, but he did not dribble towards Brook Lopez. He was like kind of like waiting for a guy to kind of come curling around. And it was just so bizarre because Brook Lopez was basically telling him like, yeah, dribble up 10 feet at me and try to come at me basically. And Andre Drummond just like didn't want to do it. Didn't want to even with the ball, did not want to go towards towards the paint towards the rim which is the only place that he's really a threat and then he finally dribbled in and then Giannis just swatted the hell out of him uh and started a fast break the other way um so yeah Andre Drummond just I don't know I mean 17 rebounds tonight uh, did have 12 points on five out of 10 shooting but five turnovers I mean it, it's just very difficult obviously for for a guy like him who just doesn't have sort of that offensive skill set um you know he, he can only kind of clean up other guys misses typically he's you know you can't really run offense through him so it's it's uh it, it was tough and Luke Kennard normally I feel like Luke Kennard's a Bucks killer yeah uh, three out of 11 he's the best four, player in the three. playoffs for them yeah he was uh I, I like him a lot I mean yeah you know he'll probably always be thought of as the guy that they picked ahead of Donovan Mitchell um <laughs> speaking of the jazz but um Luke Kennard's a good player I mean I I would I would happily take a guy like Luke Kennard especially as like a bench guy you can run the pick and roll um really good shot maker um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, white guy uh, compliments or whatever, <laughs> whatever you can think of. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Thon and yeah, Thon and, and Chris and Wood, Wood, you know, the, the way the Bucks seal off the paint, it's just very, very difficult for him to, to get, to get near the basket. But um, yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, you know, again, this is a, 
a Pistons team that, that you know, did, on paper didn't really have much of a chance. And, uh, you know, I think the final score kind of shows that, you know, reality of their roster sort of caught up with them eventually. And even Giannis not, you know, not playing necessarily peak of his powers. Um, it seems like Giannis' sort of touch has kind of been uh, betraying him the past past couple of games. Obviously, the free throw line stuff is a longer term issue that I, I don't, you know, I don't know what to say. I think um, it seems like he is. Um, I don't know what your thought is. How much you like, kind of like microanalyze all of this stuff, but he's not just missing everything short the last couple of games. At least <laughs> um, yeah. he uh, he it seems like he's remaining more upright as he's like about to shoot. Like he used to kind of like get lower and get. He basically used to like to shoot free throws more like a small guy would be taught to shoot free throws. You know, like when you're six eleven you don't really need to like, you know, use your legs dramatically yeah, yeah. to shoot a free throw. Right. Like you think that that's kind of an interesting thing, right? Like, like Giannis will sometimes, or maybe you see more, but like he would shoot with like this very pronounced sort of like leg motion, almost like he was taught by like a five eleven guy, how to shoot threes um, versus like a guy like Durant, right. Who just like, you know, rises and just like has such a compact motion because he doesn't need to, you know, like, he doesn't need to like get low and get get really high into a shot but i don't know it seems like these last couple of games um it does seem like his motion like he's holding the ball kind of lower and staying a little more upright um but and the ball's not going in so i mean again like he's just continually tweaking with his free throw motion which i, I don't know i don't know when this ends but um you know we've seen we've obviously seen him struggle in the playoffs and that's a big deal and I think just you know my concern we, we've kind of talked a little bit about it but um you know given the way he, he has the ball like you know on a night like this if it had been crunch time you know if the Bucks are up you know eight with three minutes to go or something like that do the Pistons just foul him and just hope he misses you know multiple free throws in a row just to try to extend the game and and you know play the variance game a little bit and just see if, if you can catch him um you know down on his confidence and having the yips so i don't know i mean it's 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 going to be a problem if if i mean if he doesn't resolve this like this is a huge problem obviously in the playoffs when you're playing the best teams um and again you can i mean we've, we've never seen it like this early in the season i don't think um it seemed like he was kind of getting better and then now he's just gotten worse so um so we'll we'll just have to see i mean there's you know we can we could probably do these little sessions analyzing it after every game, but um, you know, ultimately it's between his ears, I think is, is the problem. And, and that's probably the, the worst, the worst news you can think of, right. When it's just a confidence thing. Yeah. I mean, he's under 60% again, he sort of, he, he climbed above that mark there for a little while and he's back under there again, three for nine last night. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, that's the concerning thing. Like if, if it is mental, it's like, we're in November. Like, what are you like what are you stressed out about on the free throw line, particularly in games where you're winning and you're not going to lose. So if it is a mental thing, then it's like, okay, I mean, is he really like still battling from, from the, like the Eastern conference finals and the struggles in Toronto? Like, is that still affecting him? And if it is, then that is, that's really, really concerning. Like there's, there's no other way around that. It was funny. I saw some talk on, on Twitter this morning about the, the hacky honest thing. And I think it's real, man. I, I don't, I think uh, it was uh, June's um, was sort of saying, Oh, you know, we might see this. This is concerning. And I agree. I mean, if I'm the opposition team and it is a close game, particularly if the bucks are on the road, 
I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter, but I, I do think that um, it felt, and maybe this is just in my mind, it felt like the struggles in Toronto was where it really, really got bad last year in the, in the conference finals. And, and yeah, I mean, I would do that if it's a close game. Let's let's see. Let's see whether how, how he's going to go on the first one. And if he misses one or misses two, then you're like, all right, we've got something here. We can stop them scoring. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a real concern. Like, because, yeah, it doesn't matter right now where you're going to win a bunch of your games. But if that's if he's still under 60% come playoff time, uh, yeah, I mean... On top of some of the other concerns you might have, uh, that's that's gonna that's gonna climb up there because you need him being as great, as aggressive as he possibly can be and getting into the paint. But you're right. I mean, we we could speak about this, and we we sort of do. I mean, sometimes it's like you try to avoid it and you sort of get sucked back into into talking about it. But uh, yeah, you just want to see him. I don't know. I, I, consistency is not something that we've seen with him ever really uh, at, at the free throw line. Certainly not over the last few years. But geez, you just like to see it. And uh, he had a nice little run there for for a week or two, but it seems to be uh, he seems seems to be back in a hole with his free throw shooting. But uh, one last just just touch on this game before we, we get to the Jazz, I guess uh, I I did want to just uh, note Wes Matthews. I know you know we spoke at length about him last week, but just a, a, a real quick one. Uh, actually, second top scored yesterday against the Pistons had thirteen points. Three balls starting to look pretty good. And this is a guy that's consistently been in the high 30s over the course of his career from three. Uh, he's up to 36% now after he was down around 26, 27% for the first uh, sort of three weeks of the season. So it's just, it's just good to see West uh, starting to knock down those threes because we spoke about it. If he's not shooting those threes, it, it becomes hard to sort of figure out what, what his spot in, in the offense is. Yeah, there were a couple of nice cuts that he's had over the past couple of games. He had a nice little give and go. I think it was Dante. Yeah. Um, Giannis has found him a couple of times on cuts as well. Um, and, and that's obviously important for Wes because, I mean, he's not a guy who's going to create stuff at the rim through his off-the-dribble game. It's mm-hmm. It's got to be uh, through movement off the ball. And, uh, you know, we saw them run. We've seen them run an you know, action pretty repeatedly. I think he hit one three in this game off of this or maybe he missed it but it was a a good look where um you know they'll now run that kind of action where it looks like they're trying to get a post up I think the one I'm thinking of was it was like for Brooke Lopez on the left block and then they're running a a screen for West to come out to the top of the key off I think you typically have like a couple guys up there kind of creating traffic and um you know again just finding different ways to get uh West open looks uh you know hopefully again we for better or worse, he, we think, you know, I think we both expect him to play a lot. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, um, maybe there could be a reckoning as far as him being a starter uh, mm-hmm. when Chris comes back. I think Dante has certainly outplayed him in general, but, um, you know, Wes being kind of the role playing starter would be my guess for the foreseeable future. And certainly as long as that's happening, then it obviously becomes very important that, uh, that he's shooting confidently and that he just sort of finds his spots in this offense. Um, because if he's just kind of, you know, floating around and, and can't even get a shot off, um, then that means, you know, the actions are, are not well designed enough. Because, I mean, certainly he's a guy that, that doesn't, he's like, you know, we're not talking about, a uh, you know, the, the old revolutionary war musket release from Wes Matthews. Like, he, he actually can get shots off reasonably quickly. Um, and so, you know, the fact that he had that Tony Snell game, whatever it was, a week ago <laughs> where he didn't get a shot off, you know, that was, that was kind of like, what's, what's exactly going on? Like what, what, what is he doing in this offense right now? What isn't he doing? So to see him have, you know, uh, some, some 
more involved performances and again doing different stuff getting some looks different ways um again not that you're going to run a bunch of plays design plays for him but certainly if you're going to run you know some actions to get him a a catch and shoot three i think that's a reasonable thing to do and again i mean we talked about this in the playoffs last year right that um you know the bucks got a little predictable and stagnant around Giannis, and so i think these little hints we're seeing of you know actions designed to to get shooters looks off off a catch um you know give and go actions cutting actions uh where Giannis is is kind of doing his you know Jokic impression kind of throwing the ball to guys going to the basket for for layups i think those are those are all very positive signs i think in the last time i checked here um you know the bucks were way down in terms of frequency of shots at the rim uh early in the season they're now up to 12th uh 35% versus 45 40% last year shots coming at the rim and a lot of those are um you know right now a lot of those that difference is cuz they're shooting i think 2 or 3% more on on short mid-rangers which again you'd certainly much rather have those coming at the rim just cuz those are generally higher much higher percentage shots but um you know hopefully that is a trend that is moving in the right direction certainly it has been for a little while here as the bucks um get a little bit more consistency getting to the paint. All right, before we get onto this jazz game now, Frank, I will remind everyone that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audio books and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audio book and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA. And if you're listening on the go and can't get to audible.com right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. Utah is, I think, a very interesting team to, to go up against because you know, Rudy Gobert missed their last game with an ankle injury. Um, I think questionable, some some level of doubt. Maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't on Monday. Um, would be in keeping with the Bucks' luck of late that he wouldn't play. But uh, certainly, if Gobert is playing, you know we saw the Bucks in that first half, probably their probably their worst half of the season. Like maybe the Miami second half or Boston second half would would be up there as well. But as far as first halves go, I don't think there's any question that was their worst half of the season and got nothing going to the paint in that first half of that game. Um, and obviously turned it around nearly won the game in the second half. I think, you know, um, if, if you're, uh, you know, feeling like the Bucks haven't been challenged enough of late, which I think one could reasonably say that they haven't been challenged much. Um, this game should be certainly a much better, uh, indicator of kind of where the Bucks are. And, and I think that specific question about the Bucks and, you know, can they create enough stuff going to the pain? Are they, you know, going to be too dependent on, on Giannis and plus just guys jacking threes. I think this game will be a, a probably a very interesting one to watch, be given uh, just given how the Jazz can can defend the paint. Yeah, so the Bucks have only lost one game in November, and it was that game uh, to the Jazz. And it's such a weird. I was sort of looking back at, at this game um, this morning, and it, it's just such a weird game overall. You spoke about the the first. Uh, the first half, they only scored 35 points. They're down by 20 at the half. And then and then Giannis, who uh, only had two points at halftime, has 21 in the third, and they come storming back into the game. Obviously, if Rudy Gobert doesn't play, then that significantly changes things. I mean, clearly, uh, that that is is a huge uh, advantage for the Bucks if he is out. And, and you mentioned that he is questionable on, on the latest 
the latest injury report there. But one of the interesting things that I think when I look at this game, and you might say, well, this is common sense. They're actually playing a, a team that is really good. But uh, I think that the Bucks are really going to uh, find uh, that they miss Chris Middleton in this one. And, and I go back to to that game and really you can go back to it you can go to any utah jazz game really they're ranked number one in defense and uh when you look at pace as well we know the bucks uh, the way the bucks want to play ranked first in pace in the league the the jazz are ranked 20th they like to get you in the half court because their, their defense is um so strong and when you look back to that game last time chris Middleton, 22 <laughs> field goal attempts uh a very high number for him and we know the way the game ended, but I certainly thought in, in the first half, uh, his sort of aggressiveness in being able to get his own shot in the half court, I don't know whether you can say trailing by 20 points kept them in the game, but it, it would have been a lot worse if it wasn't for Chris Milton, particularly in the first quarter when uh, it, it, the, the tidal wave was, was just going against them. So without Chris, how are you able to generate these shots? And you spoke a little bit uh, about some of the actions they've been running for Wes. I, I think we've spoke a little bit about the passing with the with the cuts they've been doing. And, and Wes himself had a couple of assists, uh, a nice bounce pass uh, early in that game against the Pistons. Eric Bledsoe is going to have to uh, be aggressive getting into the paint and then, and then making the right decision. And if Gobert's playing, that might not be throwing up a, a wild shot, but it might be uh, making the right pass. But this is where... This game is going to be interesting to me. How are the Bucks able to generate offense if they get caught up in the half court with against this number one ranked Utah defense? How are they going to score against them? Yeah, I mean, I think Chris hit. I want to say three threes in the first half against yeah. Utah, and I, I don't did did maybe they get one other three or something like that in the first half. I mean, they they just could not hit anything in that first half. They settled for threes. Giannis, I think his first three attempts were all three pointers in that game. Um, and obviously they had to be more aggressive. They had to try to play with energy, get out and transition more. Um, you know, just what they were doing just wasn't going to work and had multiple opportunities to, to play from the front late in that game and obviously uh, came up short. So, um, yeah, I think this is going to be, um, again, especially if, obviously if Gobert plays, but, I mean, even if the, Gobert doesn't play, I mean, this is a super well-coached team. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you would certainly, um, you know, a, 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 any victory – by one point or 20, um, you'd probably feel happy about coming against the Jazz. Uh, you know, we've seen Donovan Mitchell have inc- some incredible performances where sometimes you just don't know what to do with them, you know. And again, he's one of those guys who just can go off uh, and be just a handful. Um, wasn't necessarily the case last time, but Bogdanovich obviously <laughs> was the guy that ultimately uh, broke hearts last time. But um, yeah, I think it's definitely a, a good test for a Bucks team that obviously has been. Um, you know, taking care of business for the most part here of late. Um, And, uh, you know, without Chris, I think, you know, it's a good time to have a soft, soft sort of part of your schedule because certainly, you know, you're expecting to obviously have Chris when you come, you know, to April, May, and June. Um, But, uh, you know, certainly I think it's, it's a kind of bar raiser game for, uh, for the Bucks here on, on Monday night, obviously you, you'd like to get some revenge here at home after, uh, you know, Jazz took care of business for the, what what is it, 18th straight time in Utah. <laughs> so uh, you, you hope you can get a better result there. And it's kind of funny. I just think back to the game last year where Giannis had 30, but I, I think he was like 13 out of 27 or 20, 14 out of 29, something like that. He didn't shoot a high percentage last year in the game in Milwaukee. And Thon Maker, that was really Thon Maker's like yeah. last real 
contributing game for, as a buck. Um, I don't think I don't, I don't know if it was in January or what when that was, but um, but ironically, uh, kind of funny to look back on on kind of you know again the where these these matchups were a year ago, and uh, certainly um, strange to think how how much things have changed since then, especially just from a kind of you know Bucks roster perspective. As much as there's been a lot of continuity, just you know some of the the storylines certainly have, have changed pretty significantly. Yeah, that game last year uh, was was on January seven, early in the new year. And yeah, the Bucks went down at halftime. They were losing. They were giving up a whole bunch of points to the Jazz. And I feel like it's, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like every single time you play Utah, you spoke about how well coached they are, but they can just pick you apart with passing. They have so many guys that can, that, that are really good passes of the ball and, and the offense. You, I just feel like when you're watching the Jazz, the ball is just zipping around everywhere and they're finding open shots and getting good looks. But yeah, Thon was the, was the spark in that one and came back in. But it's it's interesting. I mean, uh, from from that past game, I mean, you look offensively, and this is the kind of scary thing about the Jazz. I mean, I I really like that team, and it, it's hard to to look out west and and not be or and not have them overshadowed by um, both of the LA teams. But they're super deep, and and as you said, I mean, they just play great team basketball. And and the interesting thing is that they're still only ranked twenty uh, first in offense, and part of that is some of the the key guys and, and Conley being one of them is just struggling. And uh, you spoke about Bogdanovich. He was five for 10 in that game, but Mike Conley in the first half, I mean, <laughs> this is a guy that has not been able to hit a shot all season long. And he came out and, and just scorched the bucks. Uh, he had, he went five for nine in the end. I think all five of those threes were in the first half. Uh, so five for nine against the bucks on the rest of the season, he's 27 for 80. So uh, he has not been shooting the ball well. And the other one is, oh, my man, Joe Ingles is off to a rough start coming off the bench. He's shooting 33% from the field, um, still playing 27 minutes. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it feels like after a bunch of games where I, I've sort of gone in going, well, the Bucks are just going to win this. And it's going to be fun. Hopefully, Giannis like, puts up a monster line or something like that. Uh, I'm sort of looking forward to a game where uh, the Bucks could, quite easily lose and and come up against a, a, one of one of the better teams so so the jazz are 11 and 5 uh coming into this one and yeah i mean you'd like to avoid a, a little season sweep here and and maybe it's a team that, that you see down the road so uh i think you know offensively is is the big thing for me as a touched on how is this bucks team uh you know without chris milton one of the guys that can create his own shot how do they get offense and then also, obviously, keeping an eye out for for Rudy Gobert. But what what else you what else you got for this one, Frank? Is there any other final things you're going to be watching for in in this one? Well, I, yeah, Joe Ingles surprised me. I mean, anytime he's under forty percent, it just seems surprising to me. Just um, you know, the fact that he, his spot up ability combined with just the fact that you know the way he runs pick and rolls going to his left. Um, Derek just, Favors, man, he's missing his guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Favors was the guy that, especially in that Utah game, in the game in Utah, you know, Giannis just kind of mopped up on Gobert and then Favors was the guy who really caused him problems. So, um, you know, it's kind of ironic just given obviously how important Rudy is to everything they do, especially defensively. But um, one thing to note, so Chris Milton, the three to four week timeline um, that was announced on November 11th. So, uh, you know, we're a couple weeks into basically his recovery period at this point. So obviously the fact that you've made it this far and um, have, you know, played at the level that you have and, you know, just sort of been banking wins um, 
obviously uh, would call the first tier chunk of, of his recovery uh, a success. I think, um, I don't believe he's done. I believe, isn't the rule like when your guys are injured for a while, they have to do like one media availability or something like that during that time. I don't know if any, but there's been any discussion around kind of Chris's return at this point, but um, you know, again, he's kind of two weeks in now and obviously, you know, you know, hopefully three or four weeks was the timeline we heard. So hopefully you're nearing the point where there can at least be some discussion around what that return might look like and when that might be. Um, but obviously uh, the fact that, you know, you're continuing to win games and, and kind of plug along here and guys have stepped up in his absence, obviously that it's nice not to have to feel like you, you know, you have to try to rush him back or something like that. Cause certainly I think that would be a mistake at this point, this early in the season. I don't think you want to, be messing around with, uh, you know, these sorts of uh, leg injuries that, that obviously uh, I think to some extent, maybe there, there, you know, some aspect of this may be kind of pain threshold, but you know, the season's too long I, again to, to kind of mess around with this now. I don't think really anybody would, would favor that. So hopefully they can give him enough time to get right. But Hey, if he's feeling good a little earlier than expected, that, that obviously would be a nice thing too. Yeah, and it's it's this was obviously what we spoke about when when this first came out in the timeline of of yeah that three or four weeks we looked at the schedule and yeah even now I, I look at this and and yeah Utah we spoke about tough game uh, tonight for sure but then after that you've got the Atlanta Hawks the Cleveland Cavaliers Charlotte Hornets New York Knicks Detroit Pistons then the Clippers come to Fasso that's going to be a big game that's probably still a little bit early that's uh, Friday December six. But then after that Clippers game, you have the Orlando Magic, the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, maybe Zion is is that far serve then? We're not too sure. Then the Grizzlies, then the Cavs. So I mean that takes you right up to December fourteen. So two difficult games out of the next, uh, what is that? The next ten? Uh, like there's two games where you're like, okay, yeah, we're playing a legit team here, and then you get a really big week leading into Christmas, which I. You know, when I was, uh, again, talking with uh, Justin Garcia last week, we were like, well, maybe this is the target. I mean, December uh, December 16, you have the Dallas Mavericks, which, I mean, Luca, we were having a little bit of chat about Luca and, and now uh, DM earlier, but, man, he's, he's just, like, he's must-watch basketball at the moment. Like, if he's playing, like, you know, you need to try and find a way to watch him. He's been incredible. And then they follow up the Mavericks game with the Lakers, and a couple of days later, it's Christmas, and they got the Sixers. So... Yeah, uh, this nice little stretch here over the next 10, uh, you hope, sees you through with Middleton, and then uh, you have a couple of real marquee matchups. Yeah, I, I mean, a couple of these massive, like, Luka games have been against the Santa Cruz Warriors and, and the, the Cavs, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, maybe a bit of a asterisk there, but um, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you watch him, and it's just you don't know how you stop him, right? I mean, you could just try to trap him, but he's such a great passer that, you know, you're going to leave somebody else wide, wide open. Um, I, I can't explain it. You know, I mean, he lost a bunch of weight, but it's not like he's physically dominant or something like that. Um, but you look at all the numbers, you know, Giannis was kind of leading in all the main statistical categories, like all the advanced metrics, you know, PER, wind shares, BPM. Um, we don't have uh, uh, RPM hasn't come out yet. Uh, but Luca was now leading all of those things. Uh, and I mean, he's averaging over 30 points a game, over 10 rebounds, almost 10 assists. Like it's just insane what he's doing at the age of 20. I mean, he's, you know, he's 80 games into his career basically. And to be doing what he's doing is just uh, stunning. I mean, I'm the fourth what, in the West. Yeah. I'm, 
I mean, I'm very glad that, that Luca is in the West, you know, because if he was in the East and you knew that he was a guy that you're going to have to contend with um, to get to the finals every year, um, that'd be a scary thing. I mean, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to be a Kings fan knowing you passed up on him or, I mean, the Suns, Grizzlies, Grizzlies, the Suns, I mean, the Suns, like, my God, you know, like, and, and even the Grizzlies, I mean, sure, the Grizzlies, you know, the Grizzlies have Jaron Jackson and John Morant. That's a nice combination. But Jackson's been pretty much the same guy this year. He's still super young. But, like, you know, like, Jackson is not, I don't, I don't think in, <laughs> at this point, like, Jackson's not in the universe of, of what Luca is. I don't, I don't know how many guys are. And the, the wildest thing is, I mean, Trey Young, this I, is like, this is like as good as Trey Young could possibly be, right? He's been he's fantastic. Great. He's great. And, but... and you still feel like the Hawks just gave away. <laughs> like, <laughs> like... I, I can't, seriously, Frank, I cannot like handle people saying, well, yeah, but the Hawks have got to be happy. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't have to be happy. If I was a Hawks fan, I would be pulling my hair out. And it looked like a bad trade on the night, and it still does. I don't care whether Trey Young maybe is an all-star this year and has a great career. Luka Doncic might win the damn MVP. Yeah. That's it's, it's crazy. I, I just, yeah, I, it's wild to me. And, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't, you know, I'm not a draft expert. I don't, I don't look at the mock drafts uh, typically, particularly when, when the Bucks aren't involved. But, I mean, there were so many people like, just saying, this guy is, I, I don't know. I'm just not sure how this was missed. It's, I mean, it's funny because I just, I didn't really, and again, I'm also not like like a big draft expert, but, um, you know, Luca was like by far the best. I mean, nobody had accomplished what he'd accomplished. Yeah. And he were close to his age, right? Coming out of Europe. And so, you know, it's, it's not like we haven't seen international players pick first before, right? Like, um, I guess again, it's just people sort of people sort of looking at guys who don't like jump through the roof and just assuming that those guys like are fundamentally like you know limited in ways that I think you know you just look at the reality, right? I mean, Harden's probably a good example. I mean, Harden is not like a you know physical explosive freak, but he uses his body so well and he's just so smart. And I, I guess Harden's probably like the only like he was the guy I sort of thought of when I thought of Luca, not that they play exactly the same, but um, you know, just the way that they use the pick and roll and, and obviously Luca's got that step back now as well. Um, they just kind of dominate with, you know, they're, they're kind of, they've got enough like bulk, maybe, uh, maybe, so maybe they could body be, shapes. Uh, maybe they could be in Frank? better. Yeah. yeah maybe they could be in a little <laughs> better shape. Um, like I, I couldn't believe when I heard that the Luca was 247 going into camp last year and this year is 218. Yeah. Um, he still doesn't look like he's in, like great shape or anything but you know you just put him in a screen or roll like he just he just gets downhill and just either scores or finds a guy and i don't know but anyway we'll, we can talk a lot more about luca when the Bucks actually play the mavericks but um yeah i'm as, as someone who is friends with some mavs fans um i i'm happy for them they're 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 not annoying uh they might one of them is also has become a Bucks fan on my behalf. So I feel like it's yeah. a nice little reciprocity agreement, you know, Luca yeah. and Giannis, um, as long as they don't try to push too much for, you know, the, the Mavericks stealing Giannis at some point. Um, although I, I feel like that almost would be not a waste, but it's been interesting 
like Porzingis, like is sort of just like shooting fadeaway jumpers. <laughs> well, Porzingis is kind of. I mean, he's just like he's just soft, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's he's soft. He's he, like there's no way you can be that big and and play that way. Like it makes no sense. He's kind of the. He's such an interesting guy to think about as you think about Giannis, right? Because we all like wish Giannis could like shoot threes and just be like a great jump shooter, but like Porzingis is almost the like downside of what that would mean yeah, for, yeah, for a yeah. young player. Like he can so easily get like just a decent look at a fadeaway jump shot whenever he wants it, that he just settles for it all the time. And it's crazy how few like dunks and, and sort of stuff he does in the paint because you know, he's seven three and he's a good shooter and he just kind of relies on that. And he's going to be a really good player, even if he never kind of becomes more than that. Um, but I don't, to be honest, I don't even know how much it matters, you know, with Luca, like, um, and that's why I, like, I, I don't, I wouldn't want Luca and Giannis to be on the same team. Cause like they both should have the ball all the time. You know? yeah, like, yeah. like I want them both just like completely dominating and putting up insane stats and just being the future of the league. I think it's just a really great thing for, for the sport. Just with these two guys like playing at such a high level and yeah, I don't, I don't know where Luca goes from here. Like, what is this even, what does he look like in three years? You know, like, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, he's already at such a high level. We'll see if he can keep it up. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, one last one on, on Luca. I do think that the the fact is you touched on him, mean, he's been doing this. He's been playing professional basketball for a long time, and I think that clearly like brings your. Um, I don't want to say prime. I don't know if prime's the right word, but you're more ready. And so, yeah, he's twenty, but he, you know, he's been playing against pros for a long long time so he's not your typical 20 year old but yeah i mean clearly that doesn't you know explain how uh well he is playing right now and, and like i said the mavs are fourth in the west but uh for the bucks uh we spoke a fair bit about this game against the jazz but uh just repeating what i said off the top because it kind of shocked me it shocked me when i looked at it november 23 last year they were 13 and 5 Despite all the discussion we've had about all the things going on with them, they're 13 and three now. So, uh, you know, I mean, they're right on pace uh, despite everything that's happened with Chris Milton still out as, as, as we touched on. But this should be a fun one. This should be a fun one. They get a genuine test, something they haven't had for a couple of weeks. And maybe that'll be interesting to see how they respond. They're coming up against a, a team that uh, if they're not going to be able to coast against. So uh, I'm looking forward to this one, Frank. That's at 7 p.m. at Fireserve. Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman. We will be back tomorrow.